Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The other day, I was talking with Matt Rogers about thermostats, specifically the way home thermostats looked back around 2010. If folks even know what a VCR is, they had these like VCR like interfaces, <laughs> like it would like just blink 12 or blink eights and you have no idea what to do. They were responsible for like somewhere between eight and 10% of global emissions and energy use uh-huh. controlled by this $39 plastic box on the wall. No one cared about that product despite it being so important to our daily lives. So I kind of just had to dig in and fix it. And that's what I spent the next nearly decade doing. And by dig in and fix it, Matt means that he co-founded Nest, a smart thermostat company that Google ultimately bought for around $4 billion. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me really interested. Like, what are these things that are out there that are really important, but we just kind of take for granted? Now, Matt thinks he's found his next big, really important, taken-for-granted thing. The garbage in your kitchen. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? My guest today is Matt Rogers, the co-founder of a new company called Nil. This is the last episode in our series on the future of food, and appropriately enough, we're talking about what happens to food after we're done with it. Matt's problem is this. How do you turn the food you throw in the garbage back into food? When Matt describes Mill, it sounds for a while like he's just talking about a high-tech garbage can. But then there is this twist. I don't want to spoil it, but I will say that it is a big twist that will be hard to pull off. It might not work. But if it works, it could be a really big deal. Mill just came out of stealth mode a few weeks ago, but Matt has been working on the project since the early days of the pandemic. Spring 2020, we're all stuck in our houses, locked in, kind of wallowing in our own filth, uh, screaming children, <laughs> you know, all the things. 
I get a call from an old colleague from Nest, Harry Tenenbaum, who someone I was very close to on the Nest team. I mentored him for a lot of years. I am pacing on the balcony in our San Francisco house. No one is allowed to leave their home. I get a call and he says, Matt, Matt, uh, I've, I've been reading a lot of PDFs and websites about waste. And <laughs> no, like this seriously, this is a, it's a very hairy it's thing to say. It's a good open. It's a good lead. I'm reading yes. PDFs about waste. He's like, this is really bad. It's much worse than we think. And waste, waste meaning garbage? Like waste, waste like meaning garbage? garbage? Yes. Like one minute something is valuable and we use it and we love it. And the next minute it's like, oh, we got to toss this away. And what's it about uh -huh. that minute where it transitions from like valuable and awesome to like trash? And and that was intriguing to me. And so it's almost like it's almost like the philosophy of garbage, like garbage as an idea. Uh, indeed, yes. Like, is trash inevitable? And uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, we didn't discuss this on this call, but like as as Harry and I dug into it over the months, the learning was waste doesn't exist in nature. Like waste is like human construct, uh -huh. and it is not uh -huh. inevitable. And that was kind of the seed crystal of this idea of like, oh, like, what if we made a company that could end waste? And what would that look like? Uh -huh. And I knew from my insight days, from my family office work, uh, I knew how big the climate, the, the climate part of this equation was. And what is the connection between food waste and climate change? Uh, okay. Uh, I guess, yeah, that's, this is not, a, not obvious. It wasn't obvious to us either. It takes a lot of energy, water, land to grow our food. We have to drive it in trucks, often refrigerated, to get to grocery stores, get to our houses. It's like 10-ish percent of global emissions is the food that we've wasted. And then when food goes to landfill, this is obviously not intuitive either. It doesn't just biodegrade. Uh, like The banana peel in the trash is actively a bad thing because it releases methane, which is like an 80x more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. Okay, so you got the call from Harry... When do you decide that you're in, that you're going to get back in, start another company? Oh, like literally two hours later. Uh, again, like this is the, my, my instincts are pretty strong and big problem and a problem that is worth solving that I had been looking at and had not seen kind of a holistic solution yet. And also a problem that I could help on. Uh, like when I think about what makes a great entrepreneur, it's not just that like, They've got this drive to solve a problem, and the problem is really big. But also, like, do they have the skills to actually impact that problem? And this is one really yeah. where the problem is behavior. It's like what we do in our kitchens. And that's something actually I know a lot about. I spend a lot of time in, in people's homes helping design great products. What are you guys imagining when it's just you and Harry thinking, okay, we're going to do this? Like, What's the kind of vague set of thoughts you have about what to actually do? The first thought is, what if we built a new product that would go in your home to make it really easy to separate food waste at home? We're told that it's a good thing to do, but it's really hard to do it. And for our household, Swathi and I are, you know, like, we are climate evangelists. We spend our whole life working on climate change. And we've tried composting. We actually had one of those countertop bowls in our kitchen. And there was a point where we actually had to stop because the fruit flies literally invaded our house. And we had this like yellow sticky paper hanging all around our kitchen. Uh, it just was way too hard. So most people don't know that 
it's important to separate your food waste. And for those who do know it's yeah. important, it's really hard to do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I buy all that. And what are you imagining when you start building a bin? What do you have in your mind? What is this trash can going to do? So first and foremost, it has to not smell. And uh -huh. that's a crazy thing to say. You're going to put food in it and leave it there for days, possibly? Weeks. And, it, and it has... Weeks. 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 Why weeks? Why, why weeks? Ah, so, so why weeks? Uh, if you're going to change a daily ritual, it's got to be really easy. It's got to be the easiest thing uh -huh. in the world. And uh, today, the easiest thing to do with your food waste is throw it in the trash. And the side effect of that is you're taking out the trash almost every day. So yeah. part of building a, a better system is not only can it not smell, but like, can we drop that chore? Can you take out the trash like uh -huh. once or twice a month? Okay. That is a very tall task, if you can think about it that way, right? Like, I mean, like, even yes. in one day, that countertop bin is stinking. I know. I have one, and it's true. So, so that was kind of the task we set out for ourselves. So how do you figure out that part? Yes. Okay. Uh, we spent, honestly, months on experimentation. And Tell me some of the things you tried that didn't work. Ooh, okay. I think my favorite experiment that didn't work uh, is we tried this kind of microbial technology. And, like... Are, are there bugs or fungi that can kind of break down food and, and eat it? And that's kind of some of the essence of how composting works. It turns out, actually, a lot of those mechanisms are actually inherently stinky. I mean, presumably, we evolved to be averse to rotting food, basically, right? Like, it smells bad to us for a reason. It smells bad because of danger. Danger. You will get sick. So, okay, so the microbes don't work. So what, what happens? Our chief scientist, uh, who, who kind of leads our Seattle team, Dr. Jeff Hill, uh, was burning some food scraps in his lab. Like literally like, like one of these like pyrolyzing ovens. He was lighting them on fire. And uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, yeah, scientists do fun stuff. Uh, I got to get one of those ovens. And he's like, Matt, Harry, uh, food waste has more energy than wood. And we're like, what do you mean it has more energy than wood? And, and I guess this, this makes sense. Like our food has calories. Calories is energy. So like we start digging into like what he's learning. And he's like, wait a second here. If we dry the food akin to like drying out wood, like it preserves the energy. And okay. uh, like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and then he also has this next aha. He's looking at the materials and he's like, if we dry out, it preserves the nutrients. So like preserve the calories, preserve the nutrients. Like, oh, and like in hindsight, this is like a, a no brainer. Like, oh, like we just invented drying things out. That's like dehydration. Like we've yeah. been doing this for we've been doing this for astronaut food for decades, right? Like or like yeah. beef jerky. Yeah, yeah. It's like this has existed for yeah, a really thousands, long time. But, thousands of year old technology. That's why this is cool. So uh, where we land is like if we dehydrate the food, it doesn't smell because it's preserved, basically. So now you still have the problem of if if you want it to be there for weeks you know, people throw away too much food, right? The trash can's going to get full. Correct, exactly. So uh, like beef jerky is still pretty big. So what's cool is we have this kind of notion of like you dry it and you grind it at the same time. So, okay. and these things actually work synergistically because as you grind it up, it makes it easier to get the water out. Uh -huh. And food is about 80% water. So as you're uh -huh. grinding and drying it out, it gets really, really small. Really, really small, like 80-ish percent size reduction. So if you can imagine, you know, you've got a big dinner party and you filled up the bin 
you wake up the next morning and there's like this brown powder at the bottom. You're like, oh, where'd all the food go? It's because it was mostly water. So, okay. So like that is a really elegant plan. I imagine it's hard to actually make all that happen inside a trash can that somebody can just put in their kitchen and plug in. Incredibly difficult. Yes. Incredibly difficult. Uh, <laughs> one is like in the getting to from the wetness to the dryness, there's still some wetness to get there. So what do you do with any odors that are created in that, that 24-hour period, that 12-hour period? And uh, our engineers kind of scoured the world for like the most effective, uh, the highest surface area activated charcoal in the world. And we found this really cool coconut coir-based product that has like a square mile of surface area in our little can. It is, it is pretty wild. So, so you, you put all this together and you make a thing. You make a high-tech trash can that will grind up and dry out your food waste. Tell me about the thing you landed on. What's it look like? How does it work? Yes. Uh, so what we, what we built is a new kind of bin that is about two feet tall, looks like a kitchen trash bin, beautiful, uh, like white, white steel, uh, uh, wood veneer top, like a beautiful steel pedal. And is effectively a bottomless pit. So two feet tall, normal size of trash bin. But because it's drying things out automatically every night, you fill it up in the, during the day and you wake up the next morning and it's basically empty. Uh, it takes three-ish weeks to fill up. What does it look like after it's ground up and dried? It's like it looks a- like coffee grounds. It's actually, we call it food grounds. Oh, coffee grounds. Because it literally okay. looks like coffee grounds. Okay. And like, it's a very familiar thing. Like, oh, like, it's brown, it's dry, it's kind of fluffy. Yeah. It's coffee okay. grounds. Uh, but it's food. But what's cool is because this material is dry and small and shelf-stable, we don't need to get it out of the house in a garbage truck anymore. You could put it in the mail. So we did a partnership with the U.S. Postal Service to put this material in the mail back to us. Wait, that's a, that is a major twist, putting it in the mail. It is indeed. It, it was for us, too. Why the mail? Why the mail? And also, what is Matt and Mill going to do with all of the food garbage that people are starting, even now, to send back to Mill in the mail? Matt will explain everything in a minute. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one. Um, my kids, so far, uh, to-do lists, uh, for this month, my sugar snap peas. I know that's not always, I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more. Businesses on Shopify. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash problem. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Okay, let's get back to the show. Matt is explaining how he and his colleagues decided to have customers mail their garbage back to Mill, and also how Mill is going to try and turn that garbage into food for chickens. Why the mail? What like like I feel like you've sort of solved the problem already. Like I don't know what's what's going on with the mail. Why the mail? Well, as I mentioned, like our our lead scientists had spent months then analyzing this material, and it has energy, it has calories, it has nutrition, and he had this moment where he's feeding it to his chickens in his backyard, and they love it. Uh, and we talked we talked to some more scientific advisors, we talked to some experts, and they're like, "Yeah, this is this is a thing. Like, we used to do this as a society back in the day." Whatever food we didn't eat went into the backyard to feed the chickens of the pigs. That's how humans yeah. used to live. And 
as society has gotten more and more industrialized, we've kind of gone away from that. And we don't farm in our backyards anymore. That's just not how we live. Most of us don't live that way. So Jeff said, you know, like, it would be a shame to compost this stuff. It's rocket fuel. Like, we got to preserve the food. We need to get it back okay. to us so we can get it to farms. And as you can imagine, like, that's a pretty tall task. Like, how do you get, like, hundreds of pounds of material per household? How do you collect that? Suddenly, you're in a super different business, right? Like, sure, selling people a fancy trash can. Like, I get that. But, like, having them mail back to you the dried out food garbage waste, like, that's like a huge change in what I'm imagining you doing. And it seems like a huge change in complexity. It seems borderline absurd that I'm going to be mailing back my garbage to you. This is our journey. Uh, <laughs> I would say there's a combination of skill and luck in all entrepreneurship. Yeah. One of our founding team members, uh, Alyssa Pollock, was one of the first people at Uber Eats. She was one of the founding team members at Uber Eats and ran business operations for them. And so she had looked at all sorts of different logistics models that exist. And, you know, she, she's super creative. And one of the things that she pushed us on is like, hey, like, we don't need to drive trucks around to pick this stuff up. Like, it's small and light. Like, let's put it in a package and, and, and ship it. So, like, we made some calls. And we talked to some folks at the Postal Service and a few folks that were retired from the Postal Service. We talked to some of the people who do package collection and, and everyone's like, yeah, like, that seems doable. Like you could mail a whole tree these days. Uh, like, you put all sorts of stuff in the mail and especially cause it's shelf stable. Like, yeah, we could pick this up. And one of the first kind of thoughts we have is like, Oh, like this can't be good for the environment. Like mailing boxes of dried food. That, that can't be a good thing. Right. So a lot of, you got, you got a lot of moving stuff around driving it, yeah, putting on a that's plane. Right. That's right. Like, this can't be a good thing. Right. So, being yeah. an environmentally conscious team, we actually did the analysis. We built a full life cycle analysis of this, and we realized actually, like, it's de minimis. Okay. The, the methane generating power of this food waste is so high. And actually, the, the trucks from the mail are already coming to your house anyway. Yeah. Like, they're dropping off packages, they're dropping off letters every single day, and the trucks usually go back yeah. empty. I buy the carbon footprint, the sort of climate change piece. It's more the, the operational part of this. Like, well, we haven't even got to the point, like, sure, let's say I can get the food waste back to you. Let's say it's convenient for me. Let's say the environmental footprint is fine. You still got to get it to a chicken. And by the way, you might be feeding that chicken, the chicken that I ate and dried out, which feels a little weird. Is it? Is there a sort of health risk there for like any kind of human consumption of chickens eating chicken? Like, is that a piece one is concerned about? So the, the key is we get the material back to us. We filter yeah. out any contaminants. We pasteurize the material again. So kill any pathogens, okay. those kind of things. And we blend it all together. So let's say like, if you okay. only eat pizza, we're going to blend your pizza scrap household with everybody else. So do you have a factory now that, to do this? Like, have you built this in advance? Yep. <laughs> yeah, of course. We got to build the whole end to end. This is so much harder than selling a fancy trash can. Like this is a this wild- This is so much harder than Nest. And it seems like- a huge amount of the sort of operational challenge slash risk is the back end, right? Like it seems like in a weird way, drying out the trash is the easy part. And like getting it from my house to a chicken, that part seems like I can't, that part seems very hard and like it might not work. Yeah, this is the double black diamond of startups. Yeah. Uh, it's like just building hardware is hard. 
Like most hardware startups fail because of execution. Right. That like that in right. itself and is hard. You have a, a you have marginal costs that you don't have in software, and you have to get lots of people to buy it, and you have scale problems. Like it's hard to sell a fancy trash can, and this is so much harder than selling a fancy trash can, right? That's right. But we we've got to solve it end to end again. Like okay, if if there's any friction for people, they're going to not do it. And what are you going to do with hundreds of pounds of dried food? So we had to get it back. Where is your processing facility. You have this? It exists now? Our, our first one's outside Seattle. And over time, we see us building more and more around the country. Like As we have more customers, as okay. we have more density, we should build facilities in every city. So you, you process it and then you sell it to chicken farmers as chicken food? We sell it to farmers as chicken food, as, as an ingredient to chicken food. It won't be the exclusive thing a chicken will uh-huh. eat, but it's like, let's call it 20, 25% of a chicken's diet. Is there any kind of regulatory hurdle you have to clear for this to work? We actually are actively going through this today. Like we are deep in okay. the scientific and regulatory process and review for this new feed ingredient. Okay. So you have to get approval from what, USDA or something? It's kind of a blend of USDA and FDA. We're, we are still working through their process. So if your product is a hit, are you going to have a warehouse full of prime chicken food ingredient that you can't sell yet? Is that a risk at this moment? Uh, not yet. Uh, we're going to need to use a lot of the feed we create for R&D. And for the, you know, for the first several uh-huh. weeks, months, we're probably going to use most of this material for R&D. Wow. Okay. So I think I've got the whole arc. We've got the whole arc. Well, let me ask you one more question. What's the business model? Ah, so the business model is we've built this all, this, this full loop from your kitchen table all the way back to the farm, and we built it as a membership. So you don't buy the bin. Okay. Like you don't buy okay. new charcoal filters when they run out. You don't pay for the mail. It's all included for about a dollar a day. A dollar. So like 30 bucks a month. $33 a month. $33 a month is kind of a lot for garbage, right? It's whatever, uh, 400 bucks a year. Certainly, if you're not paying for the kind of marginal garbage bag, right, if it's a, if it's a true incremental cost, certainly most people aren't going to pay that. You don't need most people. So, like, who is, your, who is your target audience? Who are you starting with? Target customer, I should say. Yeah, so the, the way we think about it today is for folks who have felt the pain, and when I say the pain, like the pain that my family had. They had the fruit flies invade. Maybe they've got rats. Yeah. Uh, maybe they've, they've tried composting and they just don't have the time or the space to do it. A dollar a day for a less stinky kitchen sounds like a great idea to me. And for, for me, like a dollar a day for one less chore, I'm in. Yes. Although to be clear, you still have to take out all your other garbage all the time. I mean, I recognize that if food is most of your garbage, you take it out less. But still, if you know, you still got to take out everything else. When you take food out of the trash stream, your garbage can fills up pretty slowly. Yeah. And it doesn't smell. So actually, like for our house, we take out the garbage now like every three, four days. It's a big difference for us. We talked about the emotional side. Let's talk about the rational side of it. The rational side is in most cities in the country, you pay per month to your waste, your waste bill uh, based on the size of your trash cart at the curb. So uh, in San Francisco, I have a 64-gallon cart. And I pay like 70 bucks a month for it. If I downsize... Okay. To a 32 or a 16 gallon cart, I'm going to save like 20 or 30 bucks a month. And this is, this exists all around okay. the country. People have no idea, and most people are on the big right. big bins. So people are paying by how much trash they put out, 
now. And this this might, if not pay for itself, pay for part of itself just by people paying less for their traditional garbage collection. Exactly. You got it. Exactly. Similar story to we had at Nest. So, you know, yes, you're, you're buying this premium thermostat, but over time it's going to help you save money by using less energy. It's a very similar analogy. Yes. I know that in a lot of rural places, there is not garbage collection and you have to pay to go to the dump and often you pay by the bag. Like when I was thinking, who's going to use this thing that you're selling? That's what I thought of. I mean, is that is that part of your target uh, audience? Absolutely. And actually, for folks that live in rural areas that don't have pickup, they may even often have uses for the material themselves and they don't even need to send it back to us. Like if they want to use this material uh-huh. themselves... They can absolutely use it themselves. Like if they have backyard chickens, if they compost and have a garden, awesome. Yeah, we think it's really helpful for them too. So you're just about to launch. We're talking uh, the week before your big public announcement of this. As you, you know, I'm sure that as a founder, you have to be a wildly optimistic person at some level, right? You have to have some set of hope. But when you think about the things that might go wrong next week, next month, what what do you think about? What are you worrying about right now? Oh, man, there's a lot, actually. And there's probably a list of 45 things or 50 things that I'm worried about these days from the operational to, like, will the parts get to the manufacturing facility on time? And are we clear to build? And what are the things that we don't know? And are people going to like it? Uh, you know, we, We've been using it for months. Uh, I've been using it at my house for about six months. We've got a couple hundred people who have been field testing it. And we're getting some really good feedback. People like it. But, like... Are people going to love it? It's too soon to answer that question on the show today. Neil just came out of stealth mode a few weeks ago. But if it's any consolation, we do have a garbage-themed lightning round coming up in just a minute. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, 
bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. Let's finish with the, with the lightning round. Just a bunch of fast questions. Fun. Fun. Fun indeed. Fun is what we're going for here. So I understand you're uh, a Star Wars fan, and I'm curious, of all the Star Wars movies, what's your favorite scene? Ooh, favorite scene? I'm going to go with uh, Luke Skywalker on Hoth in Empire Strikes Back when he's like, Ben, Ben, you will go to Yoda. You know, I think my favorite scene of all Star Wars. It's just beautifully done. I really thought you were going to say the trash compactor. Oh, man, that's a good one. I feel like that's the, that's the mill scene, man. They're in a trash compactor, oh, man. and it's even feeding the weird animal. Oh, my God, there is a weird animal in there. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Let's talk about garbage a little bit. What is the smelliest thing that people put into the garbage in a typical household? Oh, we've actually created a stink bomb for the office. It's kind of a mix of garlic, shrimp, kimchi... It is some stinky stuff. Like one of the things our engineers have challenged us with is they put our bins in our conference rooms in the office and they load them up with these stink bomb recipes and just let them run. And we'll be in the room having our meetings, doing our discussions and not smelling anything. And that is the bar. Like stink bomb recipe, no smell. Um, who's your favorite Backstreet Boy? Ooh. AJ. And the reason why is he's carrying the team now. Like, AJ is really, like, coming to his own. Uh, and actually, like, 2020's Backstreet Boys is unbelievable. Like, thank you, AJ. We appreciate you. If you weren't working on food, what would you be working on? Poop. Poop. Maybe diapers. Like, what are all these other stinky, garbagey things in the house? Methane bomb. Super gross. Does it have to be? Uh-huh. 
So you've done thermostats, you're doing garbage. You think you might do diapers next? Look, poop is not out of the question. Strong. What's the most surprising thing you've learned about garbage? I think I, I'm still surprised by how much of the economy is to handle and dispose of the stuff that we're done with. It's like a multi-hundred billion dollar industry that we've effectively taken for granted. It doesn't have to exist. And it's really, really, really big. Well, that's good for you as a founder. Uh, if we can have some efficiency gains, the money is there. We can, we can get some of that money to make our business work. Yeah, that's actually uh, one of our theses behind the company is we're, we're building something new, but people pay for waste today. We pay a lot for waste today. So yes, like, is there a better way of doing things that we can you know, shift over time? Absolutely. Um, anything else we should talk about? I think stepping back, like, this is a tractable problem. And as someone who's spent 20 plus years looking at climate solutions and the things we got to do, there are some areas that are really hard. And we have to invent like nuclear fusion to solve. This is a tractable, solvable problem. We have to keep food out of landfill. And like that is solvable. Like we can do that. So the tagline is solving food waste easier than nuclear fusion? Easier than nuclear fusion. Matt Rogers is the co-founder and CEO of Mill. Today's show was produced by Edith Russolo. It was edited by Sarah Nix and Robert Smith and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Goldstein, or you can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. We'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you, and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. How do you create present and future value? As a leading provider of specialized finance operations and technology advisory services for Fortune 500 companies, emerging growth market leaders, and private equity sponsors, cross-country consulting solves today's most pressing challenges and creates present and future enterprise value. With tailored, integrated solutions for accounting, risk, technology-enabled transformation, and transaction solutions, cross-country works as a strategic partner and collaborative part of your team. The future-ready business, insight and within reach. Go to crosscountry-consulting.com to learn more. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.